Chapter One, Part One of Fairy Realm, a collection of the favorite old tales told in verse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Noel Badrian. Fairy Realm by Tom Hood. Preface. The five favorite fairy legends which Monsieur Gustave Doré has illustrated are so well known, have been so often told, and in so many different ways, that it was a matter of no small difficulty to determine the best mode of treating them. The plan I have adopted is to give the tales in a simple metre, and in the most unpretending manner, going, in short, little if anything beyond the mere recital in easy verse. From performing even this plain task as I could have wished, I have been prevented by ill health, and I fear that what I have written little deserves the honour of association with works of genius like Monsieur Gustave Doré's pictures. But I have the single satisfaction of knowing that I have done the best I could. Tom Hood, November 1865 the sleeping beauty part one in that strange region dim and grey which lies so very far away whose chronicles in prose or rhyme are dated once upon a time there was a land where silence reigned so deep the ear it almost pained to hear the gnat's shrill clarion blow though he sleeps herald is we know Scarce would you deem that calm, profound, unbroken by the ghost of sound, had like a sudden curtain dropped upon a revel, instant stopped. That laugh and shout and merry rout and hunting song had all died out, stricken to silence at a touch, a single touch. It was not much. I'll tell you how it came about. What bevies of pages of various ages, Princess Pettipet's christening banquet engages. They all look as deeply important as sages. What hundreds of cooks, to judge by their looks, they had written the very profoundest of books. Of course, books like those by Hobbes, Bacon or Hooker, I mean, not mere Kitchener's essays on cookery. As to the carts, from the soup to the tarts, twould need to detail them a man of some parts, while to eat of each item, to taste, just to bite em, the voracious voracious will own would affright them. If you want to find out the amount or about of the salmon, beef, partridges, lobster and sirkrout, macaroni, potatoes, cream, cutlets, iced trout, Lamb, blamange, kippered herring, duck, broccoli sprout, sheep's trotters, real turtle, tripe, truffles, swine snout, solo gratin, snails, bird's nests, Dutch cheese, whiting pout, jelly, plover's eggs, bitters, liqueurs, ales, wine, stout, peas, cheese, fricassees, and ragout, say ragout, for the sake of the rhyme, 
and have plenty of time and a knowledge of figures, which I call a crime, because it's a feat that would puzzle beginners, make out and declare the cube of the square of twice twenty thousand of Lord Mayor's grand dinners. The invited guests begin to arrive, with nobles and courtiers the scene is alive. They hustle and bustle, in rich dresses rustle, the squeeze for good places is almost a tussle. Precedence depends not on birth, but on muscle. But they're none of them able to reach the high table. For the grave major-domo perceiving the babel, a sufficient space clears with the king's musketeers. Because he well knows it will cost him his ears, if, when the time comes for the soups and the meats, the twelve fairy godmothers cannot find seats. At last there's a bray of trumpets to say that His Majesty's Majesty's coming this way, with his ministers all in their gorgeous array, and the lords of his council a noble display, and the queen, who's as beauteous as blossoms in May, with her ladies-in-waiting so smiling and gay, with a great many more I might briefly run o'er, if at pageants like this I were only au fait. The glittering procession makes stately progression to the seats that the musketeers hold in possession at the top of the hall. While the visitors all are crowded to death, though the place is not small, but from wall unto wall, crammed with short folks and tall, who, as chances befall, and in various degrees, they suffer the squeeze. Ball, brawl, hall, maul, squall, call, fall, crawl, and sprawl. The king's looking pleasant, expecting a present, say knives, forks, and spoons, that cost many a peasant, for his daughter's an heiress, from each of the fairies. A fay for a sponsor in these days quite rare is. But fairies, we know, have gifts to bestow more precious than silver and gold ones. And so one gives the babe beauty, another gives health. This a strong sense of duty, that plenty of wealth. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten add their presents, but when eleven have endowed her, the last of the dozen says, I really don't know what to give her, dear cousin, addressing the queen. But the courses between, I shall hit upon something. I will not be mean. So pray take your seats, for I'm not such a sinner as, while I am thinking, to keep you from dinner. The king has taken the highest place. Beside him the queen in her diamonds and lace. Each fairy godmother sits down by another. And my lord the archbishop is just saying grace, when in comes a cook with a very white face, who cries as he straight up the hall rushes nimbly, Please, your majesty, somebody's fell down the chimbly. There's silence in the hall for half a minute and not a word doth fall from those within it. When, lo, no, and yet it is so, the sound of a foot comes heavy and slow, up the staircase from down below, and a figure ill-grown, unattended, alone, 
walks straight through the guests to the foot of the throne and then with a squeak rising into a shriek and eyes that with fury are terribly glistening cries pray sir why was i not asked to the christening twas old fairy spite whom they did not invite because of her manners which were not polite she led a bad life was addicted to strife and besides worst of all she ate peas with a knife but twas really no joke her wrath to provoke so in hopes to appease her his majesty spoke and said sore affrighted they both were delighted to see her that day quite charmed in fact they couldn't think how it was she had not been invited shrieked spite silence gabby let's look at the babby the queen in a tremble her fears to dissemble said here is the darling papa she'll resemble you'd like perhaps to take her but please not to wake her she sleeps sleeps said spite does she really i'll make her of sleep ma'am have plenty here chorus attente if she touches a spindle before she is twenty for if she does a heavy sleep shall over all your palace creep and you with your whole court shall keep buried in leaden fetters deep until here fairy number twelve who as we know was forced to shelve her gift because the banquet waited broke in and capped what spite had stated until a prince shall come to wake the sleeping beauty and so break the spell wherewith old spite in vain would her young life for aye enchain the king sent heralds through the land proclaiming spindles contraband pronouncing penalties and pains gainst distaff's treadles rocks and skeins and so to spin became a sin wheels were bowled out and looms came in no more old women were allowed to meddle with wheel or treadle there were no spinsters left the fair deceivers all became weavers the very name and uses of a spindle to naught did dwindle the fashion was folks said entirely dead expired past human effort to rekindle time's wanted pace is not a rapid race his motto seems to be festina lente but yet he passed away until at length the day approached on which the princess would be twenty what consultations what preparations what busy times for people of all stations what scouring out of rooms with mops and brooms what scouring to and fro of hurried grooms no leisure not the least for man or beast because his majesty had fixed a feast acres of eatables and seas of ale a banquet that should make all others pale e'en those of heligobalus deceased to celebrate the day his child was quite beyond the malice of old fairy spite 
it was a scene of bustle and intrusion and vast profusion such game and meat and fish and rare confections the tables and the chairs down and upstairs were packed away piled up in all directions in chaos which the master of a house whose want of nous is such that he allows his wife a soiree discovers round him when tired out and sorry he fain would sleep but cannot for the din doze in short that plague a house turned out of windows no wonder the princess so meek and quiet should run away from all the dust and riot no wonder i repeat when all the sweet from the great seal to her who made the beds were hardly sure if they were on their heads or on their feet no wonder the princess no soul aware even of those who had her in their care stole from her room and up a winding stair up to the highest turret's tipmost top without or let or stop went to enjoy the scenery and air in a room at the top of the tower that day merrily merrily turned the wheel an old dame span with never a stay merrily merrily turned the wheel the wool was as white as the driven snow merrily merrily turned the wheel and she sang merrily merrily oh merrily turned the wheel the princess looked in at the door and said merrily merrily turned the wheel what bonny white wool and what bonny white thread merrily merrily turned the wheel come hither then fair one and make the wheel go merrily merrily turned the wheel said ugly old spite who sang merrily oh merrily turn the wheel she turns the wheel and wakes its busy hum she twists the white wool with her white fingers she hears them call her but she will not come charmed with the toy in that small room she lingers the wheel runs swiftly and the distaff's full she takes the spindle heedless of who calls her two tiny drops of blood fall on the wool and all that cruel spite foretold befalls her on one and all did sudden slumber fall the steed that in the palace courtyard cropped the very bird upon the roof that hopped the cook who mincemeat for the banquet chopped the gardener who the fruit trees branches lopped the huntsman who his beaded forehead mopped the gay young lover who the question popped the damsel who thereat her eyelids dropped the counsellor who fain the state had propped the king his measures anxious to adopt the courtier in his new court suit befopped the toper who his beak in rhenish sopped the scullion wiping up the sauce he slopped the chamberlain as wise as ancient copped the purblind peer who'd in the fountain flopped the jester who that fall with mirth had topped stopped and over all there came a change a silence terrible and strange enwrapped the place while thickets dense of thorn and briar grew round it till the topmost spire they did efface and only aged crones came nigh to gather sticks 
or passing by some huntsman bold spying a tower would ask its tale and by the shepherds scared and pale would then be told how many a prince of noble blood had striven to penetrate the wood and reach the keep where that princess so passing fair with king and queen and courtiers there lay wrapped in sleep but how none ever yet could make a path through that thick tangled brake and none came back but perished miserably there and left their bones all bleached and bare in that dark track it was a solemn place i ween wrapped in its shroud of sombre green so hushed and still the fall of every leaf you heard nor was there in its shades a bird to cheep and trill no cricket chirped beneath the hedge no reed wren rustled in the sedge no skylark soared only at times where round the keep did thickest snaky ivies creep a grey owl snored the sunlight slumbered on the wall the tranced shadow did not crawl or scarcely crept dreaming the white lake lilies lay above their image still as they the hushed waves slept like hermits dozing in their cells drowsed in the drooping blossom bells the murmurous bees all languidly the land upclomb around the central palace dome by slow degrees but that embowered pile did seem a cloud from some fantastic dream some visioned place its towers were clothed in misty sheen and slumbering forests seemed to lean about its base the branches nodded and the breeze sighed ceaselessly through the sleepy trees a long-drawn breath nature's warm pulses here seemed stayed steeped in a trance that all dismayed twas so like death only forever grew and spread the sombre branches overhead thick leaf and bloom as if to make for nature's sleep the brooding silence still more deep more deep the gloom into the heart a terror sank the vegetation lush and rank on all sides ran and looped and drooped in bine and twine and never trace or track or sign of living man End of The Sleeping Beauty Part 1